Hello and welcome to Season 1, Episode 1 of the Jonah Hex Adventures. Nope, I'm lying. What am I talking about? It's Season 2, Episode 13 of Batman the Animated Series Showdown. It's Episode 72 of I Am The Knight. And with me, as always, is the mighty, the wise, the magnificent, Adam Ray. Greetings. Oh, greetings. Hail and well met, partner. Because we do get quite a bit of that uh, Wild West feel in this episode. Because when we looked at the title card, we thought it might be like... The return of some ninjas, or yeah. like the, the the daring confrontation between Batman and one other character. But we saw the title card and was thinking, "Oh, okay, so it's a western." But then it wasn't. But then it was. So this episode was an unexpected treat, I would say. Unique, yeah, completely unlike any other episode. I mean, it almost wasn't even an episode of Batman the Animated Series, but it was still a fantastic piece of TV. It was really a fantastic piece of TV, and yeah, not really an episode of Batman the Animated Series, but still. Wonderful animation that told a unique story about a cheeky favourite, like, guilty pleasure oh, character absolutely. of mine. But, um, as we've yours. mentioned... Not just yours. Not just yours. I feel like it'd be impossible to tell a story in that part of the world in DC Comics and not bring in Jonah Hex, but we'll get there when we get there. But, um, yeah, it was a pleasant surprise, and I was very happy with this episode. Agreed, because it's a ball out of the blue. It's like nothing we've seen before on this series, but it's a historical. It's a Western. Um, I knew it had to have some bearing on the present just by the fact of how old Hex is in this. I mean, he's an old, bald, white-haired old man in this. And I think that's one of the oldest we've ever seen. And this is before um, his he was shunted hundreds of years into the future and then back to the Wild West as he was in the comics. And um, it's just great because he is a rootin' tootin', bounty hunting, tough-as-nails guy, but he's still a hero. Truly, yeah. He does the, does the right thing, even with his own sort of bounty hunting, moral code, dubious or good, what have you. He does what he can for the safety and the good of this frontier town, which is what we would know Joan Hex to do across time, really, even down to the um, the excellently, horrendously underrated movie with Josh Brolin. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a film that gets a lot of hate, but I really liked it. Well, I don't know about I enjoyed it. I don't know about hate. I think most people just sort of forget it exists, which I would refer to hate. But honestly, yeah. like it's where my like sort of guilty pleasure love of the character sort of comes from, really. Yeah, actually, you probably learn more about the character from that movie and from the Brave and the Bold than from the comics, really. Oh, he was around quite a bit in the two thousands Justice League Unlimited series. Oh, yes, that's true. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, like I said, you can't go to this time period mm -hmm. in DC without bumping into this character. It's like a rule. It's not only that, he is literally one of the greatest Western comics characters of all time. Uh, you would know the answer to this, but can most people name other Western comics characters? I can, because I'm a comics yeah, I was gonna say Most go. people probably could only name him and possibly pff, Batlash, the Rawhide Kid, and the original Vigilante, but that's about it. I mean, you probably have never heard of any of those. Not even. <laughs> so not so even. there you go. There you go, indeed. But... A great story, and again, not just out of left field because of the trip to the past, but because we see Rashal Ghul from about 100 years ago in the West, even then attempting to destroy the obliteration of the wilderness of the Wild West as it was then by destroying the railroads, and also with the amazing introduction of a character called Arcadia Duval, which we will divulge at the end of the episode. And yes, if you haven't seen this one, major spoilers for the twist at the end. So I recommend go and see Showdown, season two, episode 13 of Batman and Series, before listening to this episode, because the twist is actually a doozy. It really is. Great and unexpected twist. It makes a lot of 
sense once we have the whole historical story in context, which shows uh, another great side to a classic villain. But we'll get to talking about that as we pick apart the episode as a whole. So, yeah, either way, pleasantly surprised and a great brief look back to the Wild West. So what did you, I mean, I, I really want to hear your point of view here. What did you think when A, Russell Gould turned up with, obviously, who we found out to be members of the League of Assassins, League of Shadows, and just breaks into an old people's home? I mean, I, I, I totally forgot about that ending. What did you expect and what did you think when he left on the table and started regaining this tale of the Old West? Uh, I was, when it comes to, like, the stories that have, like, the sort of like the sandwich format where it's like some set framing devices around something that's like very different. Mm-hmm. I usually try to be aware of the frame, but still put it out of my mind and let the actual like content of the story be the thing. Yes. Um, I'm a, I'm a graduate of literature studies and one of the stories I looked at quite heavily was uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, which does this quite a bit. It does. It does this quite a bit because it's because the whole story is told in the letters that a sailor sends back to his, to his sister mm-hmm. of a story that he was told by Frankenstein of Frankenstein telling the story. So it's so that novel is sort of a story within a story within a story. Yeah. But it's very easy to forget about the sailor and the reported text and just think about and there's a moment even in then where we hear Frankenstein retelling what the monster told him. Yes. From his own reading and his own studies. But it's very easy to forget about that story within a story sort of deal. Yeah. And just focus on the main bit of it. So I chose to focus on the main bit of it. I was aware that Rezogul wouldn't break into a place like that without a reason. Absolutely. Um, given his age, obviously he's seen all sorts of people and rubbed shoulders with oh, historical figures. I'm sure that there would be many stories to tell about all kinds of great environmentalists from the 600 years of his life into... Yeah, so he was there for some reason. He was going there to see someone important, but I was ch- wanted to follow along with the Western narrative because we got the chance to hear that explanation, hear his context mm-hmm. from across history, and I was just really excited to see something so wildly different and to catch up with Jonah Hex. Yeah, exactly that. I, I agree wholeheartedly. That was the magic of the episode. We tuned in to watch Batman. We got Batman at the beginning, we got Batman at the end, we got Robin, we got Russell Gould, but... In the middle, we got a period piece, action-packed tale featuring one of DC's lesser-known, and for me and for you, clearly, much-loved characters. Truly, yeah. It was a pleasant surprise that was framed and structured as well as any high-stakes piece of drama. We got a great and well-realised vision of the past, because I had a little bit of my own research while you were researching the cast and crew. Oh, good. Talk to me about that. And I was just going to say that it was just a very nice and pleasant surprise, but uh, I I was just going to try and sort of catch out the writers, but they actually did their work on this one. When when they talked, when that one sort of flunky that worked on the airship said, Mm -hmm. oh, don't fire at that, It's, it's a hydrogen gas balloon, we'll all be blown to atoms, I was... I raised my eyebrow because I'm not a student of science, but I'm mm-hmm. a science appreciator. Yes, you are. So I had to have a look, but fortunately, the term atoms was historically correct because the first theories of the atoms would go back to the 1600s, mm-hmm. and um, people like Pascal were putting the formulas and the proper framework to know what an atom was well into the mid-1800s, so that science part checks out. And again, of course, hydrogen gas has been distilled in alchemy and regular chemical reactions well into the 14th and 15th century. So yeah, hydrogen would have been something that would have been fairly readily accessible if you were as uh, resourceful as Russell Gould. But yeah. I wanted for my own sci- science knowledge to just make sure 
would they have had access to that kind of knowledge back in 18 whenever? And sure enough, they did. But that was something I wanted to check into. I'm so glad you did that because, again, that's part of the reason. You know, I said that this version of Jonah Hex is much, much older than the version we're used to seeing. Hmm. That's because this is clearly an older Jonah Hex at the time when dirigibles were first coming into play. I mean, not dirigibles, anything like Grusshold Gould's War Machine because this thing is a beast. But... The cannons, the weapons of the time were perfectly portrayed. Yeah. And yeah, well done. I mean, as you said, we should really um, say about the, the writers of this episode, Kevin Altieri, Paul Dini and Bruce Tim with Joel Ansdale writing the script. They've done their research and they've done it well, really, really well. And again, a brilliantly directed action piece from director Kevin Altieri, who's one of the co-writers. So do you think, again, that helped the fact that one of the guys who wrote the story directed it i think so i think it'd be a great way to sort of put a clear vision because this episode is still even in terms of like that on the animated series term this episode is very ambitious very because it has probably the least batman in it and the least got and most notably oh, yeah. the least gotham sissy because last week we talked about um that excellent episode set in jolly old england yes but uh, still, there was great shades of Gotham in it, and Batman was consistent throughout the whole narrative there. Mm -hmm. This episode was minimal Batman, even less, even more minimal Gotham City. We saw a different hero taking on a different set of villains in the distant past, in a, in a different part of the country. So they needed to get that vision and those visuals down as clear as possible and translate the story they wanted to tell as well as possible, and I think they nailed it. Well said, very well said. And of course, again, the other thing is, obviously, this is a tale told, 90% of it, in broad daylight, which is not Batman's natural domain. I mean, even the London episode, I mean, London, for me, after Gotham stroke New York, would be the best home for Batman. But this is a broad daylight, heat of the desert setting, which needs a completely different type of hero. And, well, who better than Jonah Hex? Like I said, it's... Uh next to impossible for DC Comics to tell a Western story without Jonah Hex, but I'm happy for it. He's sort of like a clear and cut, consistent character that I'm always happy to see. And yeah, it's very different to sort of tell that sort of thing, to tell that sort of story with Batman in broad daylight, aside from maybe like the Lego Batman movies, because we need those clear visuals in Westerns because that's what calls back oh, the trope so well. Those, those frontier towns of like little shacks have been put up quite hastily and quite quickly but um there's still the same mirroring of the heroes mm -hmm. that we got mm -hmm. here batman and jonah hex are these figures of fear because as jonah hex is walking through that town people are like oh yeah recoiling and gasping in fear of just like the state of him because he is horrendously disfigured um but that sort of figure of fear and unease is sort of a universal clarity that batman and jonah hex have they're strong and like moralistic heroes yes. but they are things that inspire visual dread yeah absolutely they're both figures of fear who part of their arsenal when taking down the bad guys is that fear but in other ways they literally are well just like their scenarios and their um, appearances night and day yeah very much so but uh they still keep that same sort of shared yes. moral code of justice they're heroes truly but that's the end of the the that the, they are both heroes died in the ball true blue heroes absolutely now i'm really glad you brought up the whole disfigurement and the shock awe and fear that jonah hex aspires because even though she's scared at first the unnamed barmaid 
who's played by a TV and movie legend. Well, aren't they all in this series? Um, actually warms to him, sees his good heart, and dare I pray to think that this lady is um, possibly the grandmother of brand new comics hero and one of my new favourites, Ginny Hex, who is a direct descendant of Jonah. I, I would certainly like to think so. There's definitely time for it. And uh, in, when we saw him in this story, Jonah Hex is getting on in his year, so he has to think about settling down one way or another. I'm going to not, lightly nod along and politely just acknowledge your choice of words by saying barmaid because the history of uh, ladies and ladies of well, the night. Yes. Speak, we, yeah, yeah, but yeah. then again, they can't make that connection anyway. But the, exactly. but the history of um, of ladies of the night, shall we say, uh, in the Wild West is like documented and actually vital. Like, Absolutely, like those kinds of women yeah. built the Old West. But yes. that's that's a whole other thing that I'll get onto with the history of the of the Western as well as the science of the West. Well said, but it's also excellently written that she says that. Arcadia Duval beat up one my, of my, my girls. girls. Yes. So we know. Yeah, we know. Yeah. It's clear. But it's enough that uh, a younger audience will be just like, oh, it's like a friend or uh, someone. Yeah. Uh, but And it's never sort of dwelled on. It's, it's handled as well as you can get in yes, Saturday morning television. But still, for those who recognise the history, yeah. um, female sex workers did really build the Old West by Absolutely. like setting up the institutions that a lot of old frontier towns were sort of built around and even so much so that the state that the area of wyoming that would eventually become the state didn't choose to become a part of the united states without their women they mm -hmm. were the, they were the first state within the united states to actually keep the votes for women despite the rest of the country not being able to because women built that state oh, absolutely the first governor said uh united states or not we're coming with our women was all words to that effect and that's amazing. And very progressive of the time and of the country, if my opinion serves. But still, it's great they were able to show that level of care for the history without being in your face with it, because it would be difficult to do that for Saturday morning television. Just just shows the quality of the writing and the understanding of the history. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, on that note and on women, let, let's talk about the, the voice cast, which once again is fairly stellar and, and quite surprising again for this episode obviously let's talk about elizabeth montgomery who played the um the barmaid the the, the main lady female character of this uh, episode and who i hope and pray is uh Ginny hex's grandmother um she's played by um, elizabeth montgomery who is as i said a tv and stage legend from shows as diverse as alfred hitchcock presents to phew, um the Legend of Lizzie Borden, which I don't know if you know, is a famous character in uh, American history because she was uh, tried for murder and then later acquitted. And her story is quite legendary. And she played the lead role in that film. But for audiences throughout the world, she will forever be known for a role she played and won an Emmy for from 1964 to 1972 of Samantha Stevens in the original Bewitched. She was oh, wow. the witch who um, was in that show, and that show has been brought back time and time again, even to this day. I mean, wonderful actress and a great voice, even in this. Truly, yeah. She, you felt like she had presence and she had, like, a sharpness and wit and understanding that would have been exactly what kind of enterprising woman of that part of the world and that part of history needed. So, yeah, inspired casting yet again. Absolutely. And let's talk about the other hero of the show, our, our man, Jonah Hex, who's played by, again a veteran of westerns but also a veteran of more um clint eastwood movies than just about anyone else but let's talk about william mckinney who played jonah hicks 
in movies such as Deliverance, The Outlaw Josie Wales, uh, Any Which Way But Every Which Way But Losing, Any Which Way You Can, with um, Clint Eastwood. He was in First Blood, TV appearances, Starsky and Hutch, The A Team, and many more. But you will remember him as the train engineer from Back to the Future Three. Oh, the the train engineer where they ask uh, how how fast you yep. what kind of conditions you need to get a train to go at nine miles per hour. Yep. Oh, that's so brilliant. <laughs> that's so unexpected. But then again, I guess that you want someone that seasoned and tenured in the genre to play a, an icon of the genre, yeah. whether 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 he's aside aside Clint Eastwood or not. Jonah Hex is a pillar for the Western oh, genre. Okay, absolutely. But even if you're not an aficionado like it. A part of me would not mind to see like a silhouette of like a Titan like that alongside your Eastwoods just doing something. So I know Eastwood's still still oh, kicking yeah. directing and stuff. It's so legend of love. Yeah, he he'd probably give like the gravitas you would need for an aging hex like we saw in this episode. But that's just me fan fanboying, fan overly excited. I don't think that would ever happen. But still, it would be great to see. It would be good, wouldn't it? It would be amazing. Yeah, but then again, I've got to shout it back to the Josh Brolin and John Malkovich movie because he did a great job there as well. Agreed. Totally agreed. Absolutely. Now, let's talk about um, the strange piece of casting, which if you're a Batman nerd, as I am, a uh, card-carrying uh, member of the club, um, Senator Patrick Leahy, you, you, you spotted in the credits, and you think, well, why, why? He played the governor of the town and the guy who's building the railroads. Now, this guy... Well, anyone who reads Dark Knight News or DC Comics News will know this name because Senator Patrick Leahy is, well, apart from the fact that he's third in line to succession of the United States presidency, if anything happens to Joe Biden or Kamala Harris, he's next. Um, he is one of the biggest, most high-profile Batman fans on Earth. Case in point, he's made appearances in six Batman movies, including Batman v Superman. He's the kind of man who loves Batman and his message so much that he got the world-famous Batman Death of Innocence graphic novel, which uh, talked about the evil of landmines and bought copies for every single member of the US Senate to try and recall landmines. But you, sir, you will know him more than anything else as the guy who stood up to the Joker in the Dark Knight where Joker says, you remind me of my father. I'm so confused. Yes, he's a senator. He's a very powerful politician, but he's one of the biggest Batman fans in the world. Case in point, he wrote introductions to Death of Innocence and the 80 Years of Batman huge hardcover um, collection I've got up on that shelf, which is right in front of you. A US senator, like yeah. a pillar of the United States government, yeah. is so obsessed with Batman, he just talked his way into multiple Batman Enterprises. Six films, and, well, he may well appear in the Matt Reeves Batman movie, who knows? Um, He's a board member of the Wayne um, Corporation in all three Christopher Nolan films. Of course, sure, because he, he's used to like dressing up in a suit and sitting around, exactly. and sitting around listening to himself and porn people talk. We're not intimidated by thugs and just gets randomly... the guy! And just randomly gets choked out by Heath Ledger. Yes. Yes. Can he get, like... Like, rest his rest soul, but, like, yeah. could, couldn't he let have been in trouble for that? He's famously quoted, um, Patrick Leahy, for saying that there was no acting involved. Heath Ledger's performance was so great, he was genuinely terrified when filming that scene. Yeah, that's that's reasonable. <laughs> that's but, an actual quote. But was he told by Christopher Nolan just to be like, oh, um, he's going to get up in your face, try and backtalk him, or did he... I don't know. I'm sure he read the script, but still being there in the presence of Ledger in full Joker mode must have been an experience. Yes, given the fact that you're also 
your day job is trying to like steer a superpower away from randomly uh-huh. blowing up the world. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm not sure. I love to... blowing your tiny little. Mind. I'm not sure what to do with this knowledge. <laughs> um, that's the biggest shock I've seen since I told you about the whole uh, Dr. Martin Luther King thing with. Um, with no, the but that that one was humbling. That one was a slice yes. of history that yes. showed just how important the Michelle Nichols is. Michelle yeah. Nichols is, and how like because so, in history you think of two things as being completely separate. That just shook me. This this one just left me confused because. It's just not something you'd ever expect, really. Yeah. Literally, send him to Patrick Lee, he is me if I decided to go into politics. Oh, you... you Ultimate you, Batman, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I would like to think you, neither you nor I have the patience or respect for politicians to get into politics. Exactly. But then again, clearly some of them have great taste in comics. Exactly. Well, there you go. And now we have to talk about... Well, see, David Warner goes without saying, legend. For me, the Russell Gould, the greatest of all time, and one of the finest actors ever to, to tread the boards or appear on TV and film. But let's talk about Arcady Duval, who's played by, yes, another legendary British actor, Malcolm McDowell. Well, Tango, Halloween and Halloween 2, Entourage, Heroes. And he's one of the actors who's managed to span a career from the 60s to the present day, not just by doing TV, theatre and film, but video games, Fallout 3, God of War 3, Elder Scrolls, Call of Duty Black Ops 3, um, so on and so forth. You, though, will probably know him as the main character from the legendary film The Clockwork Orange. Still not seen it. Oh, wow. Okay, well, you need to. But, of course, you will know him as Dr. Sorin from Star Trek Generations. Oh, that actor, of course. Yes. I I can see his character now from um, Clockwork Orange, but yes, I know... Dr. Soren quite well, and I've seen him in a couple of other bits that I can't quite recall, but yes. So many things. Yeah, so many things indeed. Wonderful. Wonderful actor, yeah. Well, there you go. So that's um, who appeared in the episode. Obviously, we know we've seen Batman, Russell Gould, and Jonah Hex in for what I would think is a classic piece of entertainment, even if it isn't really strictly a Batman story. It's still a great piece of entertainment that pushes a lot of boundaries from what you would expect from this uh, this show and this title so far, so I'm more than happy to see it. It's given me a great look at the past, a real actual accurate look of the yeah. Old West because mm-hmm. of the certain history that I know and the certain science that I had to look into. And, yeah, a lot of fun that I really can't fault. Yeah, again. Yeah. So what were your main takeaways, as always we do, uh, from this episode? Unfortunately, we sort of talked about my takeaways with a great emphasis. Like, I looked into the science of it. I that, really do. I looked into the science of whether or not what they were saying was accurate. And, of course, I have uh, approximate knowledge of many things, like that weird multidimensional cat from Adventure Time. Mm -hmm. So I knew quite a bit of the history of... um, uh, Ladies in Red across the Old West. So I was very pleasantly surprised that correct science and correct history were put onto a very scientific and historic episode. And delicately and cleverly. Very well, very well indeed. Very well indeed. Absolutely. I've got to have one little takeaway, which is a bit of whimsy and a bit of silliness, but I absolutely loved it. The part where Senator Patrick Leahy's character is talking and talking about the railways and joining the west to the east, I'd like to think that railway ended up in Gotham, but I just loved the jumping child (laughs) who's trying to see what was ahead of him in the crowd and who gives up in the end and turns to the screen and who I swear is a young Bruce Tim. But I could be wrong, but either way, it's cracking. They modelled the kid's likeness on a young Bruce Tim? Yeah. 
yeah i find it <laughs> i find it a lot more interesting that to me looking at um lee's character that old senate that old uh, governor of the frontier town I, it's probably just because it was the the fashion sense of the time but to me he looked like thomas the tank engine's the fat controller oh god he did as well he really did it's, it's, and it's a railway piece and it's a railway That's piece brilliant. which is what is why it's such a strong visual that like I couldn't shake. I know oh, it was just a fashion cute. choice that it was just trying to keep it accurate, but it was like, oh look, the fact controller's doing train things again. Yay! Did you take a holiday from soda or something? Oh, that's fantastic. I love that. I'm glad you do. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, there we go. That was showdown. A wonderful, wacky western, wondrous episode and a great piece of TV. But talking about wacky, wondrous, and wonderful, Adam tell the world where they can find your works and workings i have much to work on many workings are put out in many forms across das internet oh, yes for batman and dc comics flavored things look no further than dark knight news where i review multiple titles a month both catwoman and suicide squad are both in excellent spots right now and uh oh, and the suicide squad miniseries and catwoman miniseries you're looking they're great they're they are great they've been putting some new spins on some familiar characters and i cannot wait to see where those go but for my one true love, PC and tabletop gaming, look no further than our pride and joy, fantasticuniverses.com, where you'll find my reviews, articles, and opinion pieces on digital card gaming, PC releases, and gadget gaming of all kinds. Follow me on Twitter at IsItSynchro, where you'll find more of such discussions as well as my own strange opinions on queer issues and my retweeting of excellent artwork. But just talk to me about generally anything. I'm very opinionated and I like to talk. For your visual viewing pleasure, look to twitch.tv forward slash isitinkerer for my card gaming live streams, uh, the hostile atmosphere on YouTube for my PC Let's Plays, No Ordinary Heroes on YouTube for my Dungeons and Dragons Let's Plays, and for even further reading for my writing works, look to the Apotheosis Studios blog for TTRPG goodness, and runeterracccg.com for my hard-hitting news about the League of Legends card game. I make a lot of content. And it's all great as tony the tiger might say this show the and the night podcast is part of the dc comics news podcast network it appears with the original dc comics news podcast the spinner rack and harley quinn's mad love harley quinn cast on spotify stitcher apple Podcasts, google play and wherever you find podcasts dc comics news the batman sister site dark night news can be found on facebook twitter tumblr and youtube and across the internet as well you can catch us on twitter at dc comics news and at dk news.com and you can catch me on twitter at el stevo el underscore s-t-e-e VO. To read my work, just type Steve J. Ray or Fantastic Universes into your search engine of toys to read my news, reviews, interviews, and features across DC Comics News, Dark Knight News, Fantastic Universes, and CBR. But until you do, this has been the I Am the Knight podcast. With me, I am the Knight. Adam Ray is the Knight. Together, we are the Knight. Thank you for listening, and until next time, read more comics. And watch more Jonah... Uh, watch more Batman. <laughs>